It's uh, 14 minutes past one on SAFM 104 to 107 and nationwide uh, leading the conversation. Uh, welcome to Live Happens. My name is Komoto KG Mweketi. As always, uh, we're here till three o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to start the show today by talking about how you can play a part in ending gender-based violence and femicide. Uh, then on issues of disability, we're going to focus on a company called Epic Enabled, which specializes in accessible safari tours for able and disabled travelers. Then we're going to do a business profile of a company called Vantage Point Managed Services and uh, end the show by asking uh, the com- the most common reasons uh, we uh, have uh, we have, and then break our New Year's resolutions. And remember, uh, as we lead the conversation, you can always call on 0891104207. You can SMS also on 41391. That SMS will cost you around 50. We are on WhatsApp on 0614104107. You can listen to us also on the DSTV Bouquet Channel 814. On Twitter, we are at SAFM Radio or you can tweet me on at KG Mwekezi hashtag uh, SAFM Life Happens as we get straight into it at a quarter past 11. We've been wished by the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities a happy and prosperous new year because as we begin uh, the new year of 2020, they are urging all of us as South Africans, uh, pleading with us really to work together with government to build a country that is free from gender-based violence and femicide. Uh, we are talking now to Shalin uh, Gajada, spokesperson for the Department of Women, Youth and Persons uh, with Disability. Shalin, Happy New Year. Shalin. Shalin, sorry. Uh, Shalin, Happy New Year. Uh, I apologize for getting your name wrong. Uh, 25 years we're in now, almost 26 into uh, the democratic space in South Africa. Uh, you know, what initiatives as the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities are you wanting to do differently this year to curb the scourge of gender-based violence and femicide? Thank you, KG, and thanks for having us on, and a happy new year to you and your listeners. You know, uh, the, the question that you raise is one of how do, do we move from a country from the 16 days of activism campaign, which is the international campaign, to what President Ramaphosa called for in September last year, which is a 365-day behavioral change campaign. So to put that within context, uh, KG, you know, the one pillar of this campaign has been ensuring that the correct services and support are there for victims of gender-based violence, you know, and you know, a lot has been said about ensuring police stations and South African police services are correctly equipped to, you know, to assist the victims when reporting uh, these crimes. But on the other pillar, you know, the other side, it's about a countrywide um, behavioral change campaign that actually, you know, is in, sense, in essence, is talking about changing the way that we view men and women, you know, gender relations, equality, or understand equality in the country. So the initiatives that the department are partaking in is at the at the sort of coordinating level across government to look at what government in its totality, you know, not just one department, but the whole of government is doing to respond to gender-based violence. And in that, you know, in the message that we are calling, we are, we are sending to South Africa, we're saying we all must accept that government cannot do this alone. You know, we must acknowledge that gender-based violence in uh, in most cases take place in very private spaces. You know, so we need citizens, we need communities involved to call out early as possible 
know, certain behaviors and signs where we start to see partners being verbally, uh, emotionally violent, abusive towards you know, their partners and, and as communities make interventions where government we may not know what you know what is taking place as yet. Yeah. How effective, because government constantly speaks of campaigns and initiatives that they get into uh, to try and uh, curb the scourge of uh, GBVF and, and of course, uh, a femicide. How effective do you have a way of gauging, if at all, the effectiveness of these campaigns? Because the problem is the stats keep rising. They're not minimizing or they're not, uh, you know, being able to be contained. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're not alone, and uh, you know, in the, in, you're not alone in the sentiment. You know, we share the same sentiment when, when South African Police Services, uh, you know, reports in their annual crime statistics, you know, that for example, the the, the number of women being killed is down by almost three percent. For us, that's nothing. Then that shouldn't be anything to acknowledge or even celebrate. We may acknowledge it, you know, but that still means that. Um, Seven women per day are being murdered in this country, you know, seven, you know. And so per day, every day, you know, because they reported in the 1819 year about 2,771 cases of femicide. So, you know, how do we measure this? And can it be measured? And it's an important question because can it be measured on the numbers alone? And our answer is no. You know, because what we're what we're what we are trying to do as the department, you know, is to revisit the underlying, or to visit and to pursue the underlying inequalities that allow men to believe that they can physically enact rage or or establish their pride or manlyhood on the body of a woman. You know, that they, that women are property. So, you know, do we measure the effect of our campaign on numbers alone? And our short answer is no. Mm. We cannot do that because. The emotional abuse and the abuse being suffered by women every day goes way beyond the seven per day that are being killed. Yeah. You know, the amount of physical violence that's being meted out. So, no, you know, the short answer is we don't have comprehensive measurement and evaluation tools there, but these are the these are the areas in which the dedicated, you know, one point six billion rands that the president dedicated that the uh, gender based violence committee, you know, set up which includes government and civil society, like the total shutdown, etc., are working on. Now how do we how do we measure how well we are doing? You know, are we making an impact? Of course, it doesn't feel the case because every day, KG, you know, I'm sorry, every day we still read our stories. Yeah, so every single day. Every Let, single day, you know. Let's talk about um, the working together, if at all, that you as the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities has with particularly the South African Police Services in terms of educating them uh, to have the sensitivity, uh, at mm. the lack of a better choice of word, to deal with issues of gender-based violence. Because today, in the year 2020, we still have women who go to police stations and get told by the very South African police services that, no, go home, go and deal mm-hmm. with it. It's, it sounds like a family matter. Uh, mm-hmm. You, should, you mm-hmm. should be able to resolve it within family structures until sometimes a, a dead body ends up coming out of, of the sad family. How, how, how willing are you as a department to form some sort of working relationship uh, with the, the South African police services for the purposes of educating them in the competitive passion and the sensitivity that is needed to deal with the issue of gender-based violence? 
Absolutely. You know, the, the question you've asked me is, is a massive question because it speaks to the, cult, the, the toxic culture that's in, in penetrated our society where people are asked to deal with things in the family, keep things at home. You know, you're, you're not a strong enough wife if you can't take a, a, a swearing, you know, those types of things now and then where things become, where abuse becomes normalized. You know, and, and for SAPs to understand what is going on here is not to then return the victim back to the place where she's being abused, you know. So we know of the, of the insensitive, and insensitive is a correct word, you know. It's insensitive, it's, uh, you know, they lack the knowledge, of the, uh, you know, of what a woman is going through at the point at which she is abused or raped, you know, that she approaches a police station. You know, the entire system, KG, you know, if I may make the statement, the entire system, as the department, we, the way we see it is geared against the victim, mm. you know, and this is what we're trying to resolve. You know, and I mentioned the two pillars, which is responding to the needs of the victim, you know, post-abuse or rape, you know, and then the the behavioral change. But let's focus in on the first pillar, which is what you say, the, the sensitivity of first-line responders on the scene, as well as if a woman enters a service desk at a police station to get the correct support, the understanding, to understand that the woman who's just been raped cannot recall all the details correctly. Mm. So when you take down a statement and she said maybe the top was blue and you arrest somebody who's green, she could have, in that matter of severe trauma, gotten the color of the shirt wrong. But that is that the grounds on which we allow, you know, potential perpetrators to walk free and, you know, in, in case... In case law or when these court, when these cases go to court, we hear, we read conveniently in newspapers that cases were thrown out on technical, you know, on technical issues, whereas, you know, where the statement did not corroborate with what the victim was wearing, what the, sorry, the perpetrator is wearing at the time, etc. Mm. So do, do police officers understand the trauma that a woman is going through when she has to report a rape? Do they understand, you know, what is going on? Of course, you know, we, there's a lot of, uh, mention of the rape kits being available and police being trained on how to rape, how to use a rape kit. You know, there's been situations as bad as a woman would visit a police station and the police station said, we don't have a rape kit, you need to then go to a hospital, you know, 20 kilometers away to do that first and then come to us, you know, and this woman has just suffered a rape, mm. you know, and, and you know, we, we then turn the services back onto expect the victim to do it for herself, you know, and that's, so, you know, just come, as the department, from what we see, we're trying to turn the entire system. Yeah, you know, not just one aspect. You know, to to be victim centered. You know? Yeah, I assume also part of uh, changing the system holistically uh, would include um, analyzing, um, if you may, the reasons um, or the factors that lead to gender based violence um, and femicide in society. And I'm going to assume again uh, that uh, it would demand that you work with uh, um, uh, a lot of non profit organisations who are all already on the ground doing uh, that type of work to assess the factors. Is there an investment being made uh, to assess the factors that lead us to uh, uh, GBV and, and, and femicide in South Africa? So, like, you know, I said at the outset, and I'll say it again, you know, no government has, you know, said this on many occasions that we cannot eradicate GBV. GBV cannot be a government alone issue, you know, that's taking place. It's a societal issue. So our investment has to be you know, it cannot be on government employees like myself. You know, it has to be on civil society, on private citizens, 
who are running these fantastic organizations, who are making interventions at very local community levels, who are trusted in their communities, who have community leaders, you know, who establish themselves in these places who women can trust and go to places of safety, whereas, you know, we from the outside cannot just arrive and make these interventions. So our investment through the gender-based violence, you know, um, steering committee, etc., cetera, uh, has to be through government and civil society organizations, uh, religious organizations, educational institutions, etc. It has to come through societal organizations and structures because this is how we're going to reach the highest number of people. Yeah, you know? but I'll, I'll so, tell yeah. you where I think government does get in. Government has uh, budgets that sometimes civil society organizations may not necessarily Absolutely. have, Absolutely. which would mean uh, government makes that investment for those people to do the kind of work that you yourselves cannot do. But I'll leave it there. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about individuals, me and you and the people that are listening, uh, yeah. the kinds of things that we can do. I know uh, I'm a woman. I'm scared. I'm terrified yeah. every single yeah. day in every engagement that I have uh, of just the process of living, right? Yeah. So I'm not yeah. quite sure what it is that I can do except, uh, you know, the stuff uh, the, 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 the stuff like, uh, you know, get, get myself pepper spray, uh, get mm. myself educated on defending myself, mm. Uh, mm. which which places such a burden on me as a citizen. But I didn't choose to be born a woman, but I live in a country that makes me vulnerable every single day. What does one do to play a part in gender-based violence and, 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 and femicide? Particularly, I want you to direct your message at women. And I'm not saying women are the only ones who experience yeah. violence. Uh, there are some men who do experience violence, but the large majority of the victims uh, against whom the violence is perpetrated are women. What Absolutely. do women do to play a part in ending gender-based violence and femicide? So, you know, like you said, you know, it's not just about women, it's about men. Men need to be a part of the solution. Men need to be at the forefront. You know, absolutely. You know, let's get that clear. You know, but women as part of the solution and as part of the bigger solution need to end the silence. You know, we believe that a lot of the violence is perpetrated in silence where we may know our friends or or family who are in abusive relationships, but we, we... we let it play out. We hope that they can resolve the issue. We hope that it's internal. We don't want the family to suffer the embarrassment. You know, we don't want to tarnish the image. You know, these types of these types of conversations uh, take place over the safety and the life of the of the potential victim. So, one thing that people can do, all citizens can do, myself, is to make gender-based violence a household topic. You think about how we we, we try to respond to HIV/AIDS. You know, it was something that was taboo. Mm. And we feel that gender-based violence is still considered a taboo. Parents do not want to discuss violence with their children. For example, bullying. You know, what does a boy bullying a girl by tugging on a skirt or pulling her underwear or insulting her on her menstrual cycle? You know, this type of targeting of women, you know, uh, even from a young age that perpetuates and creates this idea of women being unequal. Families, friends in this conversation. And the reason why we've issued the statement, you know, on New Year's Day, if people are spending time with family, people are spending time with friends, to some extent, issues like gender-based violence become, you know, issues that they don't want to discuss. They don't want to bring it into their party spaces or, you know, in social spaces. But we are saying that these are the spaces in which gender-based violence needs to be discussed. We need mm. to come out of the silence. We, we cannot only discuss it when it's a headline in a newspaper. We need to 
all families, all organizations need to be talking gender-based violence all the time. You know, whether it's messaging to kids at school to understand what is bullying, what is sexual assault, even to a six- or an eight-year-old. You know, it may not be what we met understand sexual assault to be as adults, but once you start to get into these patterns of behavior, who knows whether this person may become a potential perpetrator, but if we can change behaviors and understanding of equality, you know, across the genders. So a woman can play this part by also having discussions with friends, family, reporting, reporting, you know, incidents of abuse, even if it's still at the emotional level. You can report it to SAPs, you can take it, you know, to your local leaders, you know, you can escalate the situation, but don't let it be silent. Because all too often, people in this country are more comfortable attending the funeral of victims of gender-based violence than discussing gender-based violence when that person was alive. Yeah, and and also, I mean, I think a a message to the ministry, you don't want to only see them at the funerals uh, of gender-based violence speaking. We want to see them on the ground, uh, whether there's a march or whether there's any initiative that is happening uh, on the ground to make sure that uh, voices are heard and and women's plight is not ignored. Happy New Year to you. Happy 20 20. You, You've got Thank a lot you. of work. On a parting note, no, yes. I know, I know, I know. On a parting note, let, let me give you a number. The South African Police Service has set up a number in which if a victim of abuse does not receive the services that they were supposed to mm-hmm. receive, there is a complaint hotline that they can get to mm-hmm. where these complaints can be escalated. And I think it's such an important number because you always hear people say they didn't get the help they wanted. They were turned away from police stations. They were treated badly. Mm-hmm. You know, Minister, Minister they put this number in place where you report those police people to, to this hotline and, and we will deal with it. You know, and that number is 0800 333 177. Okay. Uh, it's 0800 333 1371. It's, it's a basically a service complaints line for SAPs and on focusing on gender based violence if people do not get the services that they should be getting. Okay. across this country. Okay. So, yeah, and a uh, happy new year to you. And, yes, there's a lot of work ahead of us. Okay. Thank you. Happy 2020. The service complaint line, uh, as Shalin uh, Gajada, spokesperson for the Department of Women, Youth and Persons with a Disability, says you use if you've reported to SEPs and you're not getting any kind of joy. Uh, the complaint hotline is 800 I repeat, 800 Three one double seven. Thank you to Shalon. It's